It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast with Brent Hubs, Ben McKee, and Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. Thank you guys so much for joining us today here on the podcast. A big shout out to Smoky Mountain Organics. If you need a trusted health and wellness store focused on natural products and organic remedies, you need something to fight those ailments, those allergies with the pollen-like symptoms. Check out Smoky Mountain Organics, three locations in East Tennessee, one in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Traders Joe's. You can, of course, buy online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Subscribe and follow the YouTube channel. Whenever we post a podcast and interview, you will know first by subscribing to the YouTube channel. We have got a full bank of questions. We'll go ahead and roll right into it. Which player, and this is from coach underscore 93, which player has the best overall season this fall? Is it Hendon Hooker, Thomas Young, or someone else? Maybe it's Jalen Wright. Uh, Brent, I think that the conversation obviously, you know, starts with a veteran quarterback who had a really, really nice season last year. You know, duplicating those results will be a challenge because they were very good. But I think Hendon Hooker is poised to have a really, really good season. And, you know, staying on the offensive end, I would you know, point to Cedric Tillman or Darnell Wright. Those are the guys who had really solid years last year offensively, and you're hoping to look that can put forth another season just like that here in 2022. Well, if Tennessee's going to be, you know, better than they were a year ago, or if they're going to match what they did a year ago or beyond that, it's got to start with Hendon Hooker. Uh, he's got to stay healthy, and he, he's got to be – he was good a year ago. He's got to be even be- better this year. So, um, you know, he, he's got to operate the offense better, faster, uh, you know, spread the ball around the field even better than he did a year ago. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Hendon Hooker. Um, I think it all centers around how he goes. I'm going Chase McGrath. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to go Cedric Tillman. Uh, Cedric Tillman and Hendon Hooker. They they both do have something to prove. I think they're the two best football players on this team. But last year was kind of the breakout, and they have to prove that. Uh, that is who they are, and that last year wasn't a fluke. And I, I do think that both will, but because of the nature of the position that Cedric Tillman plays, I'll give him the nod just because uh, Hendon, he he did have some evidence at Virginia Tech of not being the guy that he was last year. So uh, just with him being a quarterback and having more on his plate, uh, I do think it'll be more difficult for him to replicate last year's success. So uh, I'll go give Cedric Tillman the nod just for that simple reason. And defensively, Rob, I, I think that I think everybody wants uh, Byron Young to be that guy. I think everybody wants double-digit sacks. I know that's difficult to do in the Southeastern Conference, but uh, just in terms of pure production, I mean, how can you not look at you know Jeremy Banks in terms of just he's a tackle machine in the middle of that defense. Jeremy Banks would likely be kind of my pick on defense right now. There's a lot of unknowns, of course, and you know the, the answer you'll want it to be Byron Young, but I'll say Jeremy Banks right now. I would say Banks is the most proven guy in terms of, you know, production. I mean, you can point, you know, they're, they're just, you know had, he was the leading tackler on the team last year. You would expect him to be better year two. But the thing with Jerry Banks for me is he's got to stop being a guy who giveth and also taketh away. He, he, you know, he's he's a senior now. He, he's got to eliminate the after-the-whistle penalties. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's a natural at it, but needs to be a little better in pass coverage. I, I think Tennessee's inside linebackers the past couple of years – have really been picked on in the middle of the field. But I think Banks is the obvious answer just because what he's done. And I agree with you, Eric. When you look, there's, there's not anybody over there with more potential than Byron Young. But even as, you know, an upperclassman, Juco guy in his second year in the SEC, 
still raw. I mean, still early in his development. Yeah, absolutely. If he can take a step this year, that is really, really good news for Tennessee's defense. We'll go to Pine Mountain Vol, and he wants to know the top two uh, on offense and top two on defense must get recruits not yet verbaled. Um, I'll start this one off on offense. Uh, you got to get Cam Selden. Uh, Cam Selden and, and Nathan Laycock, and I know that's opening up the door at offensive tackle, and you guys can touch on that, but those are two from the skill position. Defensively, I will go Shandavion Bradley. Got to be able to rush the passer, uh, of course, and uh, you know uh, you, you got to you know bring in a, another quarterback because you only have one right now, so one of the three of uh, Jordan Matthews, Jakeem Jackson, and or Ricky Gibson. So I, I mentioned a lot of guys right there, but uh, those are you know the positions, two on offense in terms of skill and then some you know positions there on defense. Hey, give me two defensive linemen. Give me an offensive tackle and Cam Selden. That's where I'd go. I, I think Brent hit the, the nail on the head. Stanton Rommel, Lucas Simmons, one of those guys. Uh, Got to get one of them in the boat, if, if not both of them, honestly. I, I think it's just kind of goes back to the conversation we had uh, on the Tuesday podcast about the value of positions and kind of how it relates to the NFL. And, and Brent hit the nail on the head there. Give me, give me a corner, inside back, or defensive lineman. Any two from from those three positions, and I, I think you're rocking and rolling. Sam Smith, twenty two thirty three. Uh, what defensive position group do you expect to show the most improvements this fall? I, I mean, I think that's kind of an easy answer, right? And I, I guess it's not easy. They got to get out there and do it. But I think just from having more reinforcements, having more you know, bodies that you feel com- comfortable putting in a, a ball game setting. It's got to be linebacker room, right, Brent? Well, I mean, they're who they are. They were a year ago. I yep. mean, I, I, you know, should they be better than they were a year ago, Rob? I mean, with experience, yes, they've got to stay healthy. But, I mean, we, we don't know what jo- what Williams can do. Uh, we don't know what Herring can do. We know those guys, you know, I mean, Williams has played at Texas, but, you know, that's not gone well since he's transferred here. Herring looks the part. Um, they have more bodies, but they don't necessarily have more depth that, that is ready to go. Um, you know, I'm curious to see this defensive line. I think two places where they can help themselves greatly uh, and, and be much improved is if, By- if, if Byron Young takes a step, Rob, that you think he might take, and if you can keep Tyler Barron on the field, they may be better off the edge, a good bit better off the edge this year than they were a year ago. Yeah, I'm, I don't disagree with either one of those, and this is this is kind of – and off the wall. This is this is something Ben McKee might say, but given given the personnel, as weird as it sounds, I mean, even though you know you got question marks, you got some guys back in the secondary who have played a lot, but not necessarily at a high level. I still think the secondary could be the most improved defensive unit, and I say that because they were so bad last year. I mean, they gave up over two hundred seventy yards passing a game. Um, they were the worst pass defense in the SEC, just in terms of opponents' productivity their ability to get it down the field. So I just think having some familiarity, maybe a couple of new guys, whether it's Turnage, you know, come all ahead. And I, I don't know who I just, again, I don't think they're going to be great in the secondary. I just think they could go from putrid to mediocre to maybe average in the SEC, which would be a big step. Yeah. That secondary was not good, especially towards the end of the season. And it's wild too, because you're losing Theo Jackson, who was an all SEC player, losing Elante Taylor, who, um, was a second-round pick by, by the Saints. But you've got to have Warren Burrell getting back to playing like he did his first couple, three years. And, again, that wasn't at an all-star level, but it was better than what you saw last year, right? Uh, you hope that Christian Charles can get up there and add something. Kamal Haddon staying healthy and, you know, just tons of guys out there. So I see what you're I see what you're saying there with the secondary because especially at the end of last year, it's kind of only one way to go up. 
Uh, Rob, we'll stay with you, uh, still from Sam Smith. Thoughts on SEC opponents and the draw Tennessee got? Oh, and the basketball schedule? Yep. Yeah. I just I, – I will admit to being a little bit ignorant for what everybody else has in the SEC um, here in, in July. I'm, I'm not getting a, a great handle on, um, you know, what, what everybody did in the transfer market um, and so forth. But I, I just don't – you're going to keep, you know, Kentucky, you're going to – you're going to go to the road on rough every year. I, it doesn't, doesn't get any harder than, than that. And uh, I don't, I, I think Tennessee wants that matchup. As far as the road trips, what if, if I remember this right, I'm pretty sure they go to Auburn and Florida. I would expect Florida to be a little down. Auburn's a snake pit every, every time. So that, that's a, that's a tough draw, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's insurmountable. Uh, that's the one that jumped out to me. I guess if you're going to quibble, but I also think that, you know, the SEC wants their best teams to, to play each other. And Tennessee does get Auburn at home. So it's not one of those lopsided deals, you know, where, you know, if you lose the championship by, by one game, then you could point to that, which happened a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, it, in Tennessee's favorite, they get Arkansas at home and don't have to go to Fayetteville. So I, I think the fact that you, you get a home and home with Auburn, you don't have to go to Fayetteville. You play those guys at home. I, I would say that, you know, that Rick probably pretty happy with that draw. We'll go to Athrun. Ben, uh, do you think Tennessee pushes Ricky Gibson or pushes for Ricky Gibson since it looks all but inevitable that Jackson goes to Florida and Matthews being a coin toss? I think regardless, just for that point right there, you, Tennessee has and is recruiting those three guys very, very hard. Now, Ricky Gibson – uh, he wanna, went on an official visit the last week of June to Arkansas, but you got to recruit all three of those guys hard because, again, it, it's about kind of like with the offensive tackle thing. You had four, you want to land two. You have three of these, you love to land two, but you got to have one, right? Right, and you have four defensive backs committed right now, but three of them are safeties with Sylvester Smith and John Slaughter and Jack Luttrell, and you, you got to start getting some corners in, in here. You, you really do, and whether that's Jakeem Jackson – uh, Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, you, you got to get one of those three or, or two of those three. And uh, I, I'm hesitant about Jakeem Jackson. I, I don't know how you feel, Brent. He's obviously uh, announcing at the, the end of July, I believe uh, it is. And he's doing so with two teammates, as Austin pointed out in the war room, where the, the common school is Florida. So I have to, to wonder uh, where he is with the Gators and, and he's from Florida. So uh, I've always said and said in the chat recently that I, I kind of would be hard to see him not going to Florida. So can you pull off a, a Jordan Matthews, who is from Baton Rouge? His dad played at LSU. He's got that Texas offer. Could you pull a, a hat out of the uh, – or a rabbit out of the hat, uh, like good old Jason Witten said, uh, or tried to say one time that that would be a, a miracle there. And then R Ricky Gibson seemed to be between Tennessee and Arkansas. you got to find a way to get uh, one of those three or scour the, the map and find somebody that – isn't necessarily on the board at the moment because you, you're you're safety heavy at, at the moment and, and you need uh, another corner, if not two more, in my opinion. Yep, I think Gibson's their best opportunity out of that group. I think it's an upset if Jackson goes anywhere other than Florida. And I think Matthews is, is probably, my guess is he's leaning towards Texas right now. Tennessee had a good visit there, but I'm not sure that that's enough for, for him to, 
for, for them to be able to pull that one off. So uh, we'll see with Ricky Gibson. You know, that one's got interesting. Georgia's jumped in there, but uh, they're asking him to wait. I think Arkansas is the other school you're really trending with right now. And, and we'll see what happens with that one. But I think Gibson's a, a different priority now uh, if you believe in it, you know, he's truly a corner because I don't think you feel great about Jackson or Matthews. And with Matthews too, I mean, LSU can keep calling until December, right? And if they do, you know, we'll, we'll see how much of an effect that one has. So I couldn't agree more on Ricky Gibson. Uh, Brent, a couple of rapid fire here. The feeling right now on Sham, Simmons, and Stanton Ramil on those offensive tackles. You know, I think Sham, even though, you know, George has kind of been around there, I don't think George is ready to go hard right now. It feels like Tennessee's got – may have the momentum there uh, with, with, with Sham right now, which would be, I think, a huge get for Tennessee if they could pull that one off uh, as he's getting ready to announce. I know George has kind of been laying around there, but, um, I, I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to Tennessee, but uh, that one feels – I don't know that Georgia – I don't know that one phone call from Georgia changes kind of where he's at right now. And, and so I, I think Tennessee's had the momentum there. Simmons is Tennessee, Florida State. Those are the only two. And I don't think anybody knows exactly what Stanton is thinking right now or exactly when he's going to do something. I think Tennessee's at the top, uh, right at the top with, with Simmons and Stanton, but I don't know that they lead for either one. I would put them probably in better position with Sham than I would the other two right now. And all three of those guys are going to come off the board soon, likely, right? I mean, you got Sham, uh, the eighth. Um, Simmons, am I, am I dreaming this? Did we see the 11th potentially? Uh, Stanton Rommel is a guy that could go, you know, maybe any day now. So uh, Tennessee's certainly on prospect watch there. Are there any recruits? Uh, could be any position that UT has continued to recruit, but maybe just kept the fire hot to see, uh, you know, to see kind of what might happen with them to pick up the heat on later in the recruitment. I think that's just recruiting, Brent. Um, just I don't, I can't think of one, you know, prospect off the top of my mind right now. But you recruit, you continue to you know, talk and recruit, recruit the families and everything. And then, you know, you might make a move later in the fall. You might make a move in December. Um, I can't think of any right now, but you know, that's just kind of recruiting in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you better, you better keep it. I mean, if you think you're going to go out and recruit 25 guys and sign 25 guys, it's not going to happen. I mean, you, you better have a, a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan, and you better be keeping some guys warm. So uh, th there's certainly the case there. And, and you'll see some names pop up, whether they're junior college names or high school names, in, in the month of September after some coaches evaluate the first couple of games, kids play their high school season. You'll see a name or two pop up there as well. Two summer enrollees from the class of 2022, Christian Harrison and Jordan Thomas. How have they looked so far? Um, just from a looking perspective, I've seen Jordan Thomas a couple of times, did a Zoom with him right before he got to campus. He's always you know, looked like a good-looking kid. He's worked really hard. He told me, that, told me some of the stuff that he's done in terms of strength and conditioning this spring, getting ready to get to Tennessee. He's a good-looking kid. Christian Harrison's been around. He got to Tennessee, I believe, that Saturday of the Rocky Top of Palooza. And so he's been – you know, very active and all that. But have you heard anything about those two guys in particular this summer? Oh, I'm always hesitant. But I mean, I, I think if those guys are going to contribute out of the gate, it's going to be on special teams and we'll see. Um, you, you know, I, I don't think anybody's, I, I mean, I haven't heard anything negative about them, but I haven't heard anybody gushing that they're getting ready to take anybody's starting spot either. All right, Rob, we'll go to you on this one. This is from K. B-U-S-M-C-E-5. I don't know what that says. Name a player both offensively and defensively that by midseason, you're going to look back and say, didn't see that performance coming. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really hard. I mean, I think, you know, man, I, 
Jalen Hyatt shouldn't count, should he? I mean, because we've all been talking about him for as a potential breakout guy, but yeah. I mean, he's he's not really done it. But I don't know that that would be fair to say. You know, if he's having ever the nice year to say that we didn't see that coming, even though he he's he's not done it so far. I mean, I, this is probably cheating, but I'll throw out him and and Christian Charles or or Brandon Turnage because I just I mean, we talk about so many things like that every week on this podcast. I mean. I'd be stunned if there's one guy that one of us have has it thrown out there as a guy to watch that, you know, just shows up out of nowhere. What do you think, Cover? I mean, we 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 spitball something something like that a couple times a week. Yeah, it's a pretty popular question. I, I'll I'll go out of the out of the box a little bit. I'll say Jimmy Holiday offensively, um, and then defensively. Um, you know, I, I think Christian Charles plays somewhere. I just don't know where he plays. So the, I guess those would be my two. But if somebody said, you you know, you pick Christian Charles, they go, you're not exactly crawling out on a limb. I mean, the guy started last year before he hurt his knee as a freshman. So that's not like you're – Ben, it's not like you're making some bold statement at that point. You, you got somebody out, off the reservation, off the uh, out of the dark you're going to throw out there at us, Ben? Not, not – somebody out of the blue um like like you're referencing what, what came to my mind when eric asked the question was somebody who rob was referencing uh, that has played it at least a little bit and that's like a guy like aaron beasley or a Jalen mccullough somebody that people have written off uh, like i wrote off theo jackson going into last season I, I didn't think theo jackson would ever have the type of year that he had last year and, and look what he was able to do. So uh, I, I would go in that direction more so than somebody that just hasn't played and then all, all of a sudden has a big impact. I, I, I wonder if a, a Jalen McCullough or, or an Aaron Beasley, uh, two guys that have athletic limitations that, that I think hurt them on the field, if experience and preparation can help them like it did Theo. Now Theo is much more athletic than those two. Don't get it twisted, but uh, just the experience factor. I wonder if that can can help them uh, break out to Tennessee fans because I, I do think Tennessee fans have kind of written those two off. And with with that in mind, Eric, would you throw would you throw Trayvon Flowers into that category? Yeah, I mean we we've heading into last spring, he was all the talk. Heading into last camp or during last uh, fall camp, he was kind of all the talk. He's a guy that's played so much, battled a lot of injuries early in his career, but uh, he would certainly be in that conversation when you think of a, a Theo Jackson. Um, you know, as guys that, you know, Tennessee fans might have, I might have written off in the past on that note, offensively, as far as a pass catcher, I'm going to put Princeton Fant in this uh, and speaking with Alex Golish a couple of weeks ago, he made it seem like they really want to use Princeton in a more pass catching role. So I'll say Princeton Fant on offense defensively, I'm going to go way off the beaten path. And this might not be, you know, a guy that gets a lot of sacks, but just in terms of earning regular playing time, potentially a guy that the coach is like an awful lot is Bryson Eason. I, that, line. that was that, that was that was gonna be mine you see I, I finally thought of that as as far as a guy that just hasn't played before and again i'm yeah. with you he may not put up huge numbers but i think as far as snap if you just look at snap count from what it's been last year to going forward i, I think he's a guy that's going to be in the rotation yeah so congratulations to all those guys for uh us name dropping them they're gonna have big years uh do you think the vols <laughs> could have two alternate uniforms with a dark mode and smoky grays, or do you think it will be one or the other type deal? That's from Judd865, and that's for you, Brent Hubs. I think they're going to have one alternative uniform outside of the traditional orange and white. I, I don't think this is I don't think this is going to be an Oregon closet where you get, you know, 35, 70, whatever the number is now, different uniform combinations. I don't see that happening at Tennessee. And Brent, from my understanding, it's it's not going to be something that's a different alternate uniform 
every season. I, I think they'd like to get one alternate uniform and use that for the foreseeable future, year in and year out, like Butch did with the Smoky Grays. Yeah, and I don't think that's just – I mean, basketball, Rob, I think you'll agree is going to stay traditional, but I think baseball would have that third uniform, um, you know, that, that third color. Um, and I think I think everybody will kind of use the same color across the board, if that's a gray or a black. I, I, mean, I don't think that's written in stone for sure, but I, but I think you'll see that um, kind of as a third color, an unwritten third color, if you will, uh, moving forward, whatever that color may end up being. Yeah, I agree with you on basketball. I would look for a lot of bells and whistles there. <laughs> Why not? I just don't, <laughs> think the head, don't think the head coach loves it. Wouldn't reflect the attitude of the head coach. We'll go with that. Uh, Brooks, 1972, with Eccles signed a couple from him. With Eccles signing day about 18 months away, is this one basically settled? Or is Tennessee going to have to sweat it out and ride the wave over the next year? 100%. Dude, it's, eight, it's 18 months away. you got to sweat them out 18 hours away. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to sweat. In, in no way, shape, or form is that one settled for sure. Tennessee's going to be fending off tons and tons of schools coming for him. Uh, based upon current available knowledge, who will be the starting front seven, including the nickel on defense against Ball State? I, I know we, we don't want to take up much time with this, but and again, keep in mind, I'll run through these and y'all can jump in. Defensive line is a rotating position, but left to right, let's go Byron Young, Amari Thomas. Let's go Karat Garland, Tyler Barron. Your two linebackers, Jeremy Banks, I'll say it, Juwan Mitchell, and then your nickel. Let's go Wesley Walker. And of course, the nickel's very up in the air. We don't know who's going to play the nickel right now. Would you guys add anything more to that? I mean, I'd say Karad Garland, Elijah Simmons can play that. Deshaun Terry can play that. I mean, again, it's a rotational position. Anything big that I missed or maybe overlooked? Well, I don't think you missed it, but I think who ends up at nickel is going to be, you know, one of the more interesting aspects of fall camp. Yeah. I, mean, I think you got a lot of candidates there. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I've got to see. I've got to see Jawan Mitchell do something in a fall camp before before I'm anywhere there um, with, with, with that one. Uh, so I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go Jawan Mitchell till I see till I see him get through some some practices and and, and healthy and, and kind of mentally in it where he needs to be um, at the linebacker spot. But you're right; they're going to rotate a bunch of guys up front. I do think the biggest the two biggest questions on this defense is going to be. Who are the starting corners, and who's the nickel? And, and I think that's I think those are the three positions that that, that are going to be up for you know that that are the biggest unknowns going into to, to fall camp. From Johnny to Fatty, which offensive line prospect most likely will end up being a Vol? Um, I'll say Stanton Rommel. What would you say, Brent? Wait, but I'm still looking at Brooks's question. He wanted to know about. Uh, access to the media Wi-Fi in Neyland Stadium. That's in the private email that we send out, Rob, right? Yep. Isn't, that, isn't that where that password goes? If you know, you know. If you know, you know. All right, back to your question, Eric. What were you asking me? Which of the three offensive offensive tackle prospects would you say uh, is most likely to end up being a, a ball? Of course, anything can change. I said Stan Rommel out of Lucas Simmons and, and Sham. I said Stan. I'm going to go Sham uh, yeah. right now, as, as would be the guy that I would – I would pick the most likely out of those three. Not to say they can't get those other three, but yeah. or those other two, but that's where I would go first. From Balls Trust, hearing anything good about Brew McCoy or Andre Turrentine, Ben, you know, when we were over there the other day, uh, saw Andre Turrentine walk by. He looks like a good-looking kid, but 
Uh, summer workouts, again, as Brenda said many, many times, you can't buy. Every team is working the hardest it's ever worked in the history of football in the month of May and June. Have you guys heard anything good about Brew McCoy and Andre Turrentine over the offseason? Well, I think McCoy is the guy who who everybody's got some buzz about because he was so high profile coming out of high school. Um, you know, it, it's been a bit of a journey. I mean, he had, he had a really good, you know, freshman year or solid freshman year at USC, and then it's been a challenge there. But I don't think there's ever been a doubt about his talent level and what he can do. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think there's probably naturally more buzz about Brew McCoy because he's probably a little bit more known uh, than, than Turrentine. I like Turrentine. I think he's going to help this team. Uh, we'll see where he factors into the competition and what that looks like in, in the back end. Uh, but I think when you're talking about replacing and looking for an outside receiver, as, as Tennessee obviously is opposite of Cedric Tillman, there's more buzz about Brew McCoy right now. I would agree. Uh, obviously, that, that that is an offensive position as well. And Ben, you know, a guy like Andre Turrentine, he's a guy that, you know, reports say that he had 117 snaps in the defensive, you know, or whatever, you know, red and red and white game that they have, whatever. Um, but could that be a situation like it was here in Tennessee this year where they didn't have anybody? Uh, a guy that can play safety, a little nickel, he can play cornerback. He said that with Austin. Uh, whenever he did his uh, interview, whenever he committed to Tennessee. I'm intrigued to see where he plays, number one, and kind of what he can bring, a guy that Tennessee didn't recruit. Of course, it was a past regime out of high school, uh, but now back in the home state here from the mid-state. I think McCoy and Turrentine are going to prove to be two of Tennessee's better football players. Uh, I, I think both are going to have really, really nice seasons. Uh, I, and I think it's it's because – at USC and at Ohio State, it wasn't a case of them necessarily doing anything wrong. It was exactly what you just said. There's a lot of talent in front of them. Ohio State beat writers, USC beat writers said exactly that, that either one of them weren't doing anything wrong. They're, just go look at all the receivers USC has had drafted lately. Go, go look at all the defensive backs that Ohio State has had drafted recently. That's why those two guys weren't on the field. And I know Brew McCoy had some off-the-field stuff, but aside from the off-the-field stuff, uh, he was just behind a lot of talent, and there's not going to be talent standing in front of their way. So I, I expect both of those guys to have big seasons for Tennessee this season. I'd be surprised if if both of them were not impact players, quite frankly. You know, that's a great point about Turrentine that 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 I, I just didn't – I failed to mention. You're exactly right. He was in a log jam because nobody at Ohio State questions his ability to play. He was just strictly in a log jam, and there's some six-year guys coming back up there, so it was going to be hard for him to have a chance to win out a job because they were bringing back, you know, starters and, and depth there. But nobody at Ohio State was interested in him leaving. He just felt like his opportunities weren't very deep there. So that, that's a great point with Turrentine. This one is from E underscore Schaefer 92, assuming Sham is a right tackle guard. Are there any names past Ramel and Simmons to watch at the left tackle position? Kind of going back to what we said last week, Brent, I would say no, not right now, but there will always be new names that emerge, you know, past those guys on the board if Tennessee were to strike out or get one of the three, if not two of the three. Um, yeah, and, and and look, and I don't know that Sham can't play on the left side. I mean, I you know, I mean, I, I don't – I would not pigeonhole him into anything right now um, you know, that, that he's only a right side, you know, tackle or, or he's a guard. I mean, he might very well end up playing left tackle. You never know. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a matter of preference in some cases, as we're seeing with Darnell, right? He could play either side. Uh, and, and I'm not ready to say that, that Sham couldn't play the left side as well as the right side. We're going to bury the vol with the, uh, realignment question here with conferences with the announcement of USC and UCLA joining the big 10 and seeming, impending announcement that Notre Dame 
We'll be joining them as well. The Big Ten is now the conference with the power position. Uh, for the SEC to be in position to compete, will teams in the SEC that have been dead set against seeing Clemson, FSU, and Miami be invited change their position? Uh, and Or will we see the Big Ten coming after Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia? Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia will never leave the SEC. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I wouldn't say the SEC is not in a power position. Uh, long story short, I feel like there's going to continue to be expansion. I don't think it's going to be this rapid movement that's all going to happen this summer. I don't think anything the Big Ten did with UCLA and USC is going to uh, change any plans the SEC has because I think the SEC will continue to span as expand as the years go on. Um, but ultimately, I, the SEC is still in a power position, and Alabama and my or Alabama and Auburn and Georgia will never leave the SEC. Yeah, I, Eric, I couldn't agree with I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, what I mean. Adding USC and UCLA looks good on paper. Those programs are miles and miles behind Alabama and Georgia on the football field. Hell, Oklahoma. I mean, how many times have they been in the playoffs? Yeah. Um, I mean, except for Ohio State. And, I, you know, Notre Dame's made a couple of token appearances there and got absolutely smashed in the playoffs. I mean, you, you got to win some games on the field against the SEC's best before it, you're, it's even a conversation, I think. Yeah, and Rob, I mean, correct me, Ben, jump here too. Maybe I'm wrong on this too. I know we're running out of time, but I just think the SEC's got all the leverage right now because where are those ACC schools going? Miami's not going to the Big Ten. FSU's not going to the Big Ten. Clemson's not going to the Big Ten. None of them are going to the Big 12. I don't think the SEC has to jump at anything because I think those schools are going to be clamoring for the SEC to take them. I don't think the SEC has to do anything right now. They've got two schools coming in. How many more times do they want to slice up the pie? That's up for debate. So I think the SEC's got all the leverage in terms of conference expansion right now because those Southern geographical teams don't have a place to go. Completely agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Why, why would you wait for the Big Ten when you could probably get into the SEC? And the Big Ten is well off, but the SEC is more well off. Yeah, money, money talks, and you will never be richer than uh, being involved in the Southeastern Conference, that is for sure. Hey, we'll, uh, we'll call it quits after this one. Last one's going to go to Bammer Hater 98. How are season ticket sales going for football? And with the price increases, is it possible the common fan is getting priced out? Uh, I, I can tell you right now that season ticket sales right now are uh, around 54, a little over 54,000, I, I think is the number, um, which is a little bit higher than a year ago. Uh, in terms of the common fan being priced out, I think right now, um, across the board, maybe they're not the greatest seats or maybe they're not the lower bowl seat that you want. But I think if you look across the board, um, in, in many places, ticket prices are down from where they were a year ago with some of the restructuring that was done. So I don't think they're priced out. Uh, that, that upper deck in the, um, in the south end zone is, is cheaper than it's ever been up there for, for a ticket. So I don't think they're being priced out there. Last one, guys. I lie. We'll get one more. It's going to go to Fire Brown Twelve, and it's it's a really good one because you're seeing this happen uh, at Miami. You're seeing this happen at Florida. You're seeing this happen at Ohio State. Here's the question: So, do you think either the AD or Chancellor are telling coaches not to promote with the Spire Group? Hypel and coaches have not said anything about the group as far as showing support uh, to the group with name, image, and likeness. You're seeing a lot of that going on on uh, you know teams that you're competing with and recruiting right now, but it's not happening at the University of Tennessee. 
Well, you've seen two schools be pretty active about it publicly. You know, uh, Florida, there's the famous picture with Billy Napier and his arms around the Florida Collective, and, and Ryan Day um, has been very has been vocal about uh, the collective at Ohio State. Outside of that, you're not seeing it being done around the country a whole lot. Um, I, I think right now with where Tennessee's at, with the NCAA stuff in front of them and, and everything that's going on, I, I don't think you're going to see Tennessee's coaches – go out and, and give a lot of public pleas to, to you know, for their collective, uh, for Spire. That being said, I don't think Danny White or Dondi Plowman or Tennessee is against Spire in any way. Um, Danny White has said that on the record, that uh, Spire has been a good community uh, leader for them, and, and uh, they meet with Spire on a regular basis. So I don't think it's a situation where there's been some dramatic shift in, in you know, uh, Danny White and Dondi Plowman's thoughts on Tennessee's collective Spire. Um, uh, at, at any point, I don't think anything's changed uh, over the course of the last few weeks compared to where it was two months ago. I think the question's going to be, do other schools around the country, does it become the popular trend for a coaching staff, for coaches, and, and a lot of sports to openly promote uh, the collective? We've seen that a little bit, but we haven't seen that openly a, a around the, uh, the country. If it becomes the norm, then, then maybe Tennessee changes things a little bit as well. We'll see. Yeah, time will tell. Uh, a lot going on in terms of conference realignment, name, image, and lightness, the transfer portal. It is a wild time in college football, really college athletics, uh, right now, tons to be on the lookout for over at VolQuest.com as the week goes on. Tons of prospects Tennessee is very much in with, set to make their commitments in the next couple of days. So be dialed in there. And of course, be dialed into the YouTube channel. Follow us, VolQuest, on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe. Um, every time we post an interview, every time we post a podcast, it will notify you. So be sure you're following the show and or be following VolQuest on YouTube right now. And uh, as always, big thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. Three locations in East Tennessee, one right here in Knoxville. That's at 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader's Joe. And you can always buy online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. For Brent Hubs, Ben McKee, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast and enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.